Ladies and gentlemen, we are back tonight with Tales from the Transfer Portal with a very special guest. Honestly, one of my favorite Hokies ever. That's no cat. He came to Tech. He changed the game. He's from the 336. He's the sixth god. Mook Reynolds, everybody. Yeah. Appreciate y'all having me here, man. Excited to be here. Hokie Nation, shout out to y'all, man. It's always been uh, love and good memories. Uh, you know, I miss the fan base. Excited for the new change and everything. And as always, go Hokies. Hell yeah. Have, you, uh, have you heard anything from or from the new staff or has there been any any sort of like connection, I guess, with that? Uh nah, I haven't I haven't heard anything from the new staff. I haven't even been up to Blacksburg yet. You know, I talked to all of the guys who uh who I still have relationships with and still knew up there and asked them how things going, you know, what they think about the coach and the new direction and everything. And it's been all positive vibes. I mean, as you guys probably know, as being fans, you know, it, it, it can be nothing but positive feelings right now. You know, anything's better than what, what everybody been dealing with the past <laughs> yes, year. Yes, sir. But yeah. Yeah. I feel like we just got out of a fucking cult, bro. Yeah, right. uh, yeah. What 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 just happened now was, man. I don't. I don't. I think the whole culture of the football program was changed completely from the inside out within three years. Yeah, I within, agree. With within that. three years, it was quick, dude. It was. It, very it, quick. it it was quick, and it was. I think what it was why it caught everybody off guard. I think it was that 2016 year, it was like it is now with prior coming in with this staff. It was nothing but excitement. We had the pieces we saw. We felt like across the board that we could compete, and we saw where we lacked that 2015 year was offense. Mm -hmm. So when we felt like that, we got, okay, offensive prioritized coaches that, you know, they have nothing to worry about but offense. You know, defense been doing this for years. We'll be good. And we had Gerard Evans come in generational talent exactly uh you know this the record books and the stats show it um so so that year i think everybody was on a high because of the things we did that year and i think with gerard leaving and with the um the offensive uh identity that we had coming back in 2017 i think that's when within the program a lot of the pieces started to be moved to really show what they truly were you know? Yeah, they pulled the curtains back. The curtains got pulled back a little bit there, and then we saw, we saw the real. We saw what really happened. Things were being masked. Yeah, from yeah. talent. We just had so much talent that we could overcome it in 2016. Exactly. So it and, and sadly, to be quite honest, that was Beamer's team. Yeah. You think about it. That was Beamer's team. He had built all of that. You know, the only thing that was added with Fuente coming was the difference maker being Gerard. Yeah. I agree with you. Gerard so, single-handedly changed that whole 2016 year. And, you know, it starts with quarterback play. And I think um, I think a lot of the times Fuente, I guess as a, I, I, I would want to say as a person rather than as a coach, because as a coach, I, I would feel like a coach would want to win by any means necessary. Mm -hmm. But as a person, he was willing to take a loss to try to prove an emotional point. And that makes sense. He didn't want a guy out there who played with a lot of passion and who kind of at some moments became bigger than the game because at this point he's choosing himself over the game. I'm going to make this play because, honestly, the perks that I get from making this play, you know, everything that comes with it, he didn't like that. Yeah, he wanted yes, man, and he was stubborn and just he had this large ego he had to feed. Yeah. 
something similar like that actually uh just came out today. I'm a Broncos fan, and uh, you remember Sue Cravens that played at USC? Yeah, I always wonder what happened to him. Yeah, he came out today and was like, Vic didn't like me. Like, he, like, if I had a good day in practice, we usually did like this highlight reel the next day of like the defense the day before. He wouldn't do one. He was like, he didn't like Drew Locke when he came out with the visor and the shooter sleeve. He was like, it was like all this stuff. And I was just like, man, <laughs> I was going through it twice <laughs> with Fuente and then with Vic, with Vic Fangio. So. Man, was there ever a point with with Fuente at all that you ever felt like he gave one cent of a shit about you, or was it always no? I would say it was always that 2016 year because going into that off season with people leaving, had they left, and I guess his expectations weren't, um, you know, to weren't to what he expected from everybody decision-making. Um, I would say the Carolina game when we beat them in that monsoon, there was a time that we had, like, he embraced me during that game afterwards and, like, you know, was smiling. was like, I told you, as if, like, I'm like, I chose not to go to a school in North Carolina for a reason. Yeah, You know, I'm a winner. I want to win every game, but make sure we beat them, you know. I always went to the game knowing defense, we're going to do what we're going to do. But if y'all score 28 points a game, we won't ever lose. Yeah, that's all you need, right? That was mm-hmm. a big game, too, because uh, Mr. Trubisky was highly touted at that point. He was, like, the next guy. They and had me and uh, shit down. me and Switzer was on the PFF um, All-American uh, for coverage and, and grades going into that game. So that was a big matchup for us, too. Tore his ass up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, luckily, luckily, I wanted I wanted it to be sunny so they could try to run those screens and all that. You blew that shit up, man. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna try to break his chin strap off. <laughs> yeah, as, I mean, as as athletes, you always want to show out. So when, when it's raining like that, it's limited. You know, you want it, you want it, you want those guys who like. Nah, I want to make a an exceptional play. I want the crowd right. to. But you know, some coaches really don't like that. My coach always said, do what you do, but if you mess up, at least do it, like, 100 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, give it all out. If you're going all out and you fuck up, they said it's forgivable, but if you just, like, make a business decision, then it's not. Uh, you got to think about it, too. That was a – Fuente was the head coach that came in after, Beamer. you know, Beamer had recruited these certain kind of guys because they they liked that – mentality that these guys had you know think about Trayvon Hill a lot of people call him a knucklehead you don't think Bud Foster knew what he was doing when he recruited him yeah you gotta have dogs man you don't think Bud Foster knew what he was doing when he recruited Xavier Adibi like these are animals facts daddy Nicholas Mm -hmm. these are animals you don't think he knows what he's doing when he's recruiting these guys no you're right Buzz knew Bud knew what it took to have the heart on a defense, man. I had a former player. I won't say who he was, but he told me um, that Fuente's staff was afraid to recruit guys that knew what it was like to miss a meal. Like he wasn't, like he wasn't bringing the dogs in, like the people that were really hungry to, like you know, go go because they wanted to go to that next level to, like for real reasons, like feeding their family and getting out of like some real shitty situations he said he just wouldn't wouldn't even wouldn't even go there he just wanted like high character guys that would never give him an issue or anything like that but yeah and and where did that get him nowhere he got oh, nowhere 8.4 million and a kick in yeah the- i hate that <laughs> hey hey with badcock worst decision was giving him that extension after but, beamer's team went to that acc championship you're right he right. he is the reason, and it, it 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 was right for that decision. Jumping in too early, it cost you eight million dollars. Because when the chess pieces really moved, you actually saw what kind of you know coach Fuente was and what kind of guys he wanted to bring in. He would rather he would rather bring in you know do men and yes men who who talk and you know praise guys that talk the talk. But I, I want the guy to actually do it. I don't want the guy that's going to talk about, hey, we're going to do this and uh, yeah, we're going to. No, 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 no. I don't want nobody. I just want somebody to go out there and do it. 
that's how you really get guys going. Exactly. Yeah. Them them boys from the country club really weren't doing it, man. They they're soft. They're not built for that, you know. They're not. That's why he wanted Texas and all that. He's from there. But think about it. Those guys from Texas, most of the time, they brick walls in whatever position they play. Yep. Your athletes are your guys that have that edge because they're multi-sport athletes. And like you said, they've missed meals before. But he's not a player coach. He can't honestly have a, a conversation with his players and be respected by them because he doesn't really care about what they have going within their lives. You know, it's been people who've had deaths within their family. They couldn't even go show support. Yeah. I mean, you had a fire, right? I had a fire after I after I was gone from tech. But I had deaths in my family, and I couldn't even go to the funeral. Who was the I kid? Can... There was a kid that tweeted about that. Oh, man, he played he played at tech by camera. Wyatt Teller uh, got benched for the Tennessee game because of it. Yeah, and, and look what it did. We lost that game, didn't we? And look yeah. where Wyatt Teller is. He's and I'm about all to say, pro. look what Wyatt <laughs> But would, would you believe it if I told you he hated Wyatt? That's yeah. crazy. I can believe it. No, I believe it. It's just like, it just doesn't make any sense for him to like choose that ego over winning, you know? And the thing that gets me, though, I guess, is he hated Wyatt, but, and this is no shot at Brock Hoffman because I don't know him, but he kind of had like the same, like, like badass, like hothead persona, I guess, and he loved him. So it was yeah, but because I would say this, nothing against Dax Holyfield, but Dax Holyfield has the same Trayvon persona. Wild and go get it. But at the end of the day, I know for a fact Trayvon's gonna go get it. But yeah. like you said, praise one, criticize the other. So yeah. at the end of the day, I don't like I said, I don't think it was coaches' flaws. I think it was personal flaws within him. Yeah, there was two sets of rules. I think we saw that pretty early, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I didn't like that. So when after, you were – oh, go ahead, Joe, my bad. No, no, no. Like, after you left Tech, Mook, uh, were you able to come back and have a pro day? What what happened there? No, nah, I didn't – I wasn't able to come back and have a pro day. Uh, you know, they say one thing to try to be for the media, but he, he pretty much made it, like, once Galen Scott had, had left because of his situation, Dirty I think Fuente was just waiting on the first reason to try to get me out. And it was things on, like, he, he wasn't communicating with the coaches or anything, so it was just personal stuff on him. So yeah. I wasn't even um, – when I came back in school in 2019, they had just lost to – who was it? Um, Liberty? They had just lost to somebody who they shouldn't have lost to. I think it's ODU, that first big loss. One of those. Yeah. And instead of addressing the team for that, he's addressing them that I'm back on campus. Stay away from me. Really? Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the kind of guy he was. Like, he was – his flaws were not coaches' flaws. He is a personal flaw guy. Like, your, your priorities are all over the place. You know, I have no effect over your team. Little do you know, all the guys who are on your team right now who are doing something from you are from North Carolina. Yeah. And more importantly, they're from one area in North Carolina. Greensboro. And you helped so get he a lot never, of them, He never gave me credit for what I meant to the program or what I meant, just the fact that how he handled my whole situation as compared to Devin's situation. I love Devin. Nothing against him. But we had the same situations. He gave him a chance to go. My charges, I, my charges were dropped. I had no community service, no probation, no fines. I don't know any guy in the Commonwealth of Virginia to get charged with a case five felony as if he's a drug kingpin and they drop everything and he pays no fine, no hours of community service, no probation, no nothing. Man. But I didn't have an opportunity to finish my career at a program that I chose to go to and that I loved, even with a coach's change, even with, you know, all I did with my nickel position and, you know, changing that, like, they they don't even give me credit for that. I changed that whole defense. You know, no apology addressing, you know, the slander that came with it. You know, it was no amends. And that was because he personally had a vendetta. He didn't he, you know, if he don't like you, he he's gonna he's gonna take that that extra effort to try to make sure that 
in no way you're on a pedestal or a platform to be able to speak against him and your voice be heard. That's why it's always a narrative that's being created by him. That's why he wants to push out in media everything that it is. And in the long run, it sabotages the player's career. Think yeah, and Pete Morris is at fault there. Uh, he's implicated <laughs> in some of that. But you got to understand, yeah. th- th- this guy, man, this, th- these, these people have jobs, and this is their boss. You don't want to piss your boss off. And when you got to walk on eggshells and tiptoe around, that's why you have coaches that leave and they go to other opposing ACC schools. Yeah, that's true. So tell us about Coach Scott, man. He, he's a pretty good dude, sounds like. Coach Scott, you know, much like my situation, everybody can, you know, predetermine and, and, and make judgments and all of that. I have nothing to say about his outside life or anything that, that happened with it because even after Virginia Tech, both of us were in Texas and we went out to eat. We got together because Coach Scott, one thing that all of those players would tell you on any of those teams that Coach Scott was on, they loved that dude. Like, like- he, he was a player's coach. You can have a conversation with him and really understand what's going on, you know? So was he kind of helping hold hold everything together you think in the program because it seemed like when coach scott left that things kind of went off the rails i think when coach scott left that was a foreshadowing of who fuente actually was because fuente would brag about coach scott is the reason that he met his wife right yeah so if i have someone like now now i'm just saying this because we understand how this business is it's a cutthroat business people do things for people they like simple if this guy is my associate head coach. I brought him from Memphis. I claim he's my best friend. And he gets into a situation like this. And it's a, a, a someone on Twitter accusing him. I'm going to make sure that this is this is a Twitter situation. This is just Twitter. This is a Twitter yeah, situation. Because I mean, it, was it was a very random account. Like it was almost like a burner that was just created. Yeah, it he was. didn't stick his neck out for his own friend that he had history with who was on this staff, right? Yeah, he let the Diggy Simmons Stan account put him down. Exactly. Yeah, what the he fuck? Didn't, he didn't he didn't give a he let's let's say the truth. He didn't give a rest as what happened. And I know for a fact if I was Coach Scott, I would feel some kind of way, which most likely, I mean, let's be real. We all can make our judgments from that, and let's think if he did. Yeah. But I also know situations where Fuente has stuck his neck out for players or, or a player, but this player represented him completely. This is who he was supposed to be known to be a guru for. He stuck his neck out before the kid in the same situation who was in the same situation with him. He was kicked out of school. Adonis. Alexander. Another good dude. Great ball player. Facts. Could have done the same thing. And and, and all these guys that I'm bringing up, all these coaches, guys, players, people, and you can bring up anyone you want to bring up that comes to your mind. All of their careers were altered because of personal... I mean whatever you want to call it, personal feelings or personal emotions or whether I like this guy or think they were all altered because of just simply that all vendettas in the long run. Then you go into it. I mean, it's really a long script. You go into the medical staff and think about how many players have been uh, medically disqualified. How many players have had repetitive surgeries on the same thing. Yeah, we've heard several that have had issues with the medical staff and that actually Jeremy that, Webb with Killy's yeah. injury. Three weeks later I mean, they got his ass out there trying to do ladders. Yeah, and Kuma got hurt. Like there's a lot of Josh Jackson got rushed back. Like so it's clear clear that the medical staff is kind of at fault for some of this stuff that's happened too. They are at fault and I understand why they are at fault. Because you have a coach who's in your you have a coach who who expects his guys to be out there, and at the end of the day, he doesn't care if they're really healthy. He expects the training staff to get, be able to get them on the field, right? Yeah, because he's going to get a paycheck regardless. Regardless. So the training staff is trying to do whatever they can to 
make you feel like you can get on the field. They trying to do what they can prove to save theirs. Like at the end of the day, he's everybody's boss. And when you got a program that's flawed like that from the top, it, it trickles all the way down to the bottom. And at the end of the day, that is why the productivity that's been at Virginia Tech the last few years, even with all the guys, the DN that ran a four freaking three. Yeah, Barno. Barno. Trey Turner. Yeah. Hendon Hooker. Khalil Pimpleton. You know what I'm saying? I'm seeing some guys that don't even play on Virginia Tech's team, yep. but were there, but all their careers were altered, some positively, some negatively. All of them were altered because of one man. Yeah, and at right. the end of the day, he doesn't have to – he'll get a job somewhere else in the future. These kids, they, they have to figure out life now. Yeah, and there's life after football. There you is, know. but they don't equip you for that. That's no. why that, that's why I say like the football it 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 shelters you from the real world. Like they don't teach you ever about life. They don't teach you about the things that the necessities, the things that you have to be able to know how to do in order to live in this world. They don't they don't teach you to do those things. And like that's what that's why I say when football it shelters you from they do everything for you. As long as you can play this, you don't have to worry about anything until they suck every single thing they can from you. So tell so, us a little bit about that. That kind of leads up to what we're. I was going to ask you. Uh, so life after football, uh, you're helping young men, students right now with pre- preparation for that? Yeah. So so what I do, I run a, a national, uh, it's a NUC national seven on seven football team here. It's called Southeast Select, and I run it out of the Greensboro area, but I also train athletes, you know, ages from, uh, you know, sixth sixth grade and younger and seventh grade and older, you know, specializing in, you know, seven-on-seven play. A lot of that is very important now. And my mission with them, the thing that I like to focus on with them is, you know, football is one thing, but at the end of the day, you take those cleats off every single day and you live a life. I want to instill men that are prepared to be in this world as well as athletes who understand that at the end of the day, if, if someone were to ask you who you are, you would not just be able to say a football player because life is much more than that. You are a man first with a, a personality, a life, you know, uh, mental capacity, feelings, emotion, who plays football. That's what you love to do. And you, you know, that's what you love to do. But at the end of the day, I want to instill healthy, you know, healthy mental you know, spiritual guys who give life into the world and enjoy them themselves to be able to enjoy the game. You know, it's a lot of pressure that comes with this game. It's a business. And sometimes people get lost in it. A lot of guys, all it takes is one injury for you to not have everything you've focused on. And a lot of guys go into mental depression. They go into dark places. But my mission is to be able to get guys who understand first mental health is number one over everything. Who you are as an individual individual is most important that makes you a better football player because at the end of the day you're free you can enjoy yourself you can have fun you understand the difference between you know the business aspect and the fun and thing you can stand on your own a lot of respect for that man i really appreciate what you're even doing you know so what's your what's your social what's your handles for this so my instagram page nil training so okay. it, it reach me at NIL training. You know, there's there's a lot of details on there. It's a you know, seven on seven team that I'm really hands on with right now. The Burlington Bulls who won a um, I think it was a blazing seven on seven last week in Charlotte. And those guys went down and won the whole thing. 15U got uh, a lot of guys from from this area that you will hear on Saturdays. You know, these guys are going to be in college and I'm trying to get them prepared to be the best athlete that they can be in college. That's a man and a football player, you know, understand that first, you know, a a lot of people got to learn that your degree is something that you, that you get. That's the game that you get for as much as you will give that university. The degree is the one thing that you have to get. When I was coming up in, in my situations, school was the secondary priority. It was as long as I was able to perform on the field, you know? Yeah. And if you come into school thinking that, you have to carry the lives of other people. Like you have to do this football stuff because it's going to 
benefit somebody else. It's going to benefit da 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 da. Like at the end of the day, you do it because you want to do it, because you enjoy it, because you want to be there. You know, you do things that will benefit you for how you see yourself. And then that can bring into things, but understanding priorities and pressure of things. And in the long run, it'll make them be able to come in and know their priorities in college and, and to be able to specify what is what and to be able to lock in and ultimately to be able to perform in whatever category it is, whether that's school, uh, social life, football, it, it doesn't really matter. Whatever it is, they would be the best they could all around, man. I, that's that's just the vision that I have and that, you know, I'm working with these guys to really try to fulfill. Much better how you got into this. So I was I was in a position, you know, coming with everything that I had experienced in 2018 and the years following that. I was I felt like everything was pulling me away from football and I was able to accept that. I was able to understand like, okay, this is this is telling me that it's over. I was waiting for that next step in my life, praying on that next step and you know, knowing that the most I was gonna deliver it, just didn't know the time. And everything that he had put me through was to prepare me for these times that are happening now. I had to go through those things to be able to be purified to be able to, first of all, be transparent to these guys, to be respected by these guys, to have my own testimony, to be able to tell these guys, you know, there's nothing you can say you're dealing with. I was at the top. I was exactly where you want to get. Nobody has experienced the drop that I've experienced. Nobody has experienced the turmoil that I had. I had to go through those things so I could. So one day, you know, I just sat back with my brother and, you know, a lot of guys have been asking me to do training and, and stuff like that. But my brother presented it like, you know, man, we should start, we should start actually training these guys. And, you know, I was thinking about it, but, it, you know, just doing it with my brother, that, that really is what would have taken it off. You know, just having something to do to where we both experience a dark place and to where at the end of the day, we can create something that can be a foundation in, in, in the things that we both love. So, when we when we came out with that flyer, the door just opened. You know, uh, Dave Schumann, the national underclassman guy, he's been running those combines for years. He got in contact with me and was like, "Man, I need you to start a seven on seven national seven on seven team for that region. I want you to run it." So that thing, you know, the, literally 15 minutes after I mentioned the training thing and broke that to the world, he hit me with that. So you know, the most high opened two doors at the same time, and you know, I'm I'm into you know education now with students i'm a kindergarten teacher now so i'm even working with guys that are five and six you know young women young men that are five and six yeah. and i'm seeing exactly why i went through the things that i went through is to be able to spark these you know the next generation to ultimately try to produce that world that we all long after that everybody talks about we just don't know how to get to it so your brother does it with you he works with you yeah Nice. I like this, man. This is going good places. Shout out yeah, to you. So, yeah, so in a, at, at NIL Training on Instagram, man, you guys uh, you guys get in contact with me on at NIL. We got a lot of things coming out, man. We really going to, you know, this region in North Carolina, as you guys can see, just at Tech alone, it, it has produced a lot. So just really going to get those guys well prepared to really take over. You know, next in line, that's the whole thing. You know, I had my chance. I was, it was one time people saying I'm the next in line. I did what I did. You know, I got, I got proof of what I did. Now we finding the guys who are next in line to be next in line, you know, future of the future. No, nah, there's yeah. no doubt in my mind that you were next in line. Oh, for sure. No doubt. Coach Pry, you heard the man. Get your ass down there. See these <laughs> young men. For sure, man. We got I, some. We I got know some you is. You had tweeted at one point at the staff that you were working on getting your your degree or something, and you you were hoping to to get like a GA or or something, right? With with the team, get back into coaching a little bit. Yeah, so it, I mean, when all those doors start opening, I, I see I, I see the advantage that I could could bring to any staff. You know, it's a when I was in school, I was a recruiter. You know, a lot of guys that came up there, they would send them to, to my house. You know, me and Adonis had a spot. They would send them <laughs> with us. A lot of the guys, you know, uh, Sheebus, 
he would come up to me and ask me like, "Hey, man, I want you to make sure we get this guy." Da 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 da. I'll make sure. I'll make sure I, I look out. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I I can bring a lot of, you know, excitement, relatability, and a lot of knowledge to these guys. Yeah, and I think that you're in an even better role now. Something that you're that you're really going to be able to make a big impact on a lot of young lives and a lot of young men prepare them for life. I think yeah. this is huge, man. Like kind of gives you chills to think about. Exactly. And that's what it is. It's exactly where I'm supposed to be. Like people are seeing proof of a living testimony of, of, you know, this man's, this young man's situation, you know, this, I, I people have literally seen firsthand where, where Moot Reynolds was, what happened to him, how they personally judged him, you know, on that individual ends and where he is now and the things that in the long run, the proof of the things that happen, you know, the chain of events and just seeing how things happen, but seeing why they happen. I think the, the part that's chilling is seeing why the things that happen, happen and how everything came to fruition and really taught this young man to be in the exact place that he needs to be in. No, absolutely, man. No, this is big news. Like, this is, you know, groundbreaking in that area. So tell us about some of the kids you got training with you right now, man. So I got um, <clears throat> I got the number eight kid in the nation. I ain't going to say his name because they, they saying some stuff with, with his recruiting. I ain't going to try to, you know, make his situation a little tougher. But, man, we got some heat out here. We got one of the fastest uh, freshmen in the country. You know, working with us, a lot of Dudley guys, a lot of guys from the Burlington area. So we really got, we got everything, man. And it's it just trying to get these guys polished and sharp, so they can go over and really, you know, it's all about the oohs and ahs at these combines. They, I mean, these combines and these camps, they want to see guys that look like they're ready to step on the college campus right now. And that's why I'm trying to get get these guys prepared to do. So it's been a while since you've been back to tech. Now that we got a new staff, you going to come around a little bit? I have to. I have to. Because I, I can come around now. Right. I, can, I, can, I can come on the field without security trying to act like I've never tackled a human being on that field before. Yeah. You know what I'm <laughs> Like, when I had came back from school, I wasn't allowed. Now, think about it. As a student, the only study hall that I knew was the athletic study hall. All the players on the team know me. Everybody in the athletic study hall know me. They told me uh, one of the head academic people came and told me, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, you can't be. Now, I had been going to it for like a month. Yeah, I'm sorry, you can't be here. It's only for uh, current athletes. But Brandon Flowers is in an academic meeting with an advisor right now. Just stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? But now I can freely come and I can see the new facilities. I can walk through the facilities and, you know, admire the things that those guys have now and just hate on them a little bit, wishing that I had it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you saw the new lounge, right? It looked pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah, I'm trying to sit in the chairs. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, you, you really revolutionary revolutionized that rover position. So I hope they put some respect on your name. Hey, now when birthdays come out, Hokie Sports, y'all can tweet about our guy again. It's not a sin no so. more. Yeah, if, I if it's so. Moose's birthday and we don't get a, a tweet from Hokie Sports, hey, hey, I'm making a my, trip. And, and my birthday on the 27th. Oh, shit, we got one coming up. So we're yeah. going to see. Y'all got one week to respond. We're going to see. <laughs> right. Yeah, man. But, yeah, it, it, it feels good to have that, that, you know, everybody just put a dark. They associated me with negativity because Justin Fuente painted that picture that I was a negative guy. Yeah, but then here you are doing all these positive things, helping that's a lot of young men. That, that's because Justin didn't know me. Justin didn't know me, Bud Foster and Frank Beamer knew me. They knew who I was. They knew what kind of player. A lot of people would say that I'm a dirty player. You can say that. You can say that, but at the end of the day, I'm a cutthroat player. I'm going to get it one way or another, and I'm going to let you know. You want to win. That's the name I want to win. I respect it. And yeah, at so the end of the day, that's, that's all we everything. care about. That's everything. Like I, I feel like I brought I brought the the best out of my teammates too, because I expected them to perform on the same kind of level. And that's what you need. You don't need guys that just talk about it. You need guys that will hold you accountable to go do it. I don't want to hear about it. I want to see it. 
Well, that's being a leader, first and foremost. That's really what leading is. And at the end of the day, the coaches knew, man, to set the season off 2016, first defensive play, Bud Foster at Cody Grimm comes up to me like, Bud wants to run the uh, whip blitz first play, but he don't know if you'll hit it right. I'm like, man, if he don't run that, I'm going to hit him. (laughs) And then set it off. That's why I'm like, I I took pride in like, look, at the end of the day, they know, coaches know who they can count on. They know who they can rely on. Facts. So what else you got? Paint a picture for me real quick before we get into this next question. What was a locker room like if I would have walked in and I would have saw you, Tremaine, Rel, and Tim Settle? All in the same locker room. Like, what was that like every day? Bro, I lied to you not. To this day, those kids on that team still talk about the 2016 locker room. Because there was so much camaraderie. There were so many great connections outside of on being on the field. Like, you understand what I'm saying? Like, my whole class, 2015 class, would be at Steve Sobchak's house after every practice. All of the guys having competitions. <laughs> Steve Sobchak and Tim Settle having competition between fat guys on who can get up the fastest. <laughs> like, literally, on who, on who can get up the fastest. Yo. You know, D-Law and D-Law chilling with everybody. Like, you can't tell me D-Law couldn't have been a Kelly Bryant. Yeah. But Justin Fuente just couldn't have that. He couldn't have a guy from Florida who just knew how to really play football and go get it. Nah, he wanted someone who, I mean, man, like I said, Gerard Evans was the only reason that Justin Puente had any type of success that he can hang his hat on at Virginia Tech. Man, he kind of owe. He owes Gerard Gerard that that. $8 million. Yeah, he better pay up. And Gerard needs to give me two. Gerard, if you're hearing this, you need to go collect, bro. Yeah. Pass go, get your two hundred dollars. He owe you, man. Two hundred million, some shit. At least, yeah, he owe that. Hey, some of that contract, man, that extension, he owes that to Gerard. Yeah, yeah, he did that eight. Yeah, that contract extension, but he just need to give him that eight, so Gerard can give me, give me two. You know, he walk (laughs) away with six. Yeah, Yeah, straight. That's a good deal. Yeah, that's a great deal. (laughs) That's a fair shake to me, brother. Yeah. Yeah, Gerard, let's talk, man. (laughs) So what else you got cooking, man? What you up to these days, Mooka, other than doing the training? Uh, Man, doing the training and the coaching the guys, you know, like uh, being a, you know, kindergarten teacher, you know, really instilling. Where are you a kindergarten teacher at? Which school? I'm I'm at McNary Elementary in Greensboro. So, you know, just I never would have thought I would have been here, but it's exactly where I where I'm comfortable being, you know, it's right along where I'm supposed to be. Is that the kindergarten you went to? No, nah, I went to Brooks Global, uh, Brooks okay. Global for kindergarten. Yeah, but it's all good. And, you know, this is just a stop to, you know, where I'll be in the future. You know, this is, this isn't where, you know, I see a career path, but it's just somewhere where I enjoy being right now. And that, you know, I'm clearly in a learning phase and I'm exactly where I need to be. So I'm, I'm just grateful and blessed. You know, especially to come from the situations that I, I came from and to be able to have the negative judgments that I've had and to be what I'm doing now and to actually, you know, see things come to fruition. It's just it's pretty cool, man. Yeah. And I think that's just another testament to your character. You know, if you keep beating the pavement, if you keep working hard, you're going to get to where you're supposed to be. You know, like things are going to fall into place. And I think that says a lot about your character. <laughs> Yeah, you could have you could have very easily folded, and nobody would have said shit because they'd have been like, "Well, I mean, this did happen." They expected but. they would have expected that to happen because it, you see it anything like that happen, like a kid come from man. I don't even want to go into it because it's not like I'm trying to dig up the past, you know, on, mm-hmm. on what could have, would have, should have, da 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 da. But it's like a lot of people would expect it. Uh, uh, someone to fold and I had to grow up super fast you know I lost relationships with people that were super near and dear to me over you know a career that ultimately I got robbed from you know what I'm saying they they never looked at me they looked at me as I you can't benefit me now 
And that was perfectly fine because I accept it had to happen. I had to learn the things that I had to learn to be able to instill in these guys now to really try to, you know, make guys that don't have to go through that. They understand all of that at the end of the day. Well, a wise man once said, fuck them. <laughs> Straight up. Nah, man. This You're doing big things. I really respect what you're doing for these young men. No doubt, trying to get them in a good position in life. Uh, man, it's just horrible to hear how Fuente treats people. And we got we to gotta clear the air here, man. Was the silent lunches really a thing? Uh, the day of the game? Yeah. Yeah, but my table was talking. Sure. Oh, yeah? <laughs> fuck, I'm not about to be quiet. We got to go on the field and communicate, don't we? <clears throat> exactly. Yeah, cause you gotta, you got something stuck up your ass. I'm not about to act like I got something stuck up mine. <laughs> there we have it. We have an answer on that. Yeah, mm. man, that's, man. But offense was completely different. You know, he that was his side of the ball. Defense, we were more free. We were more relaxed. Offense, they, they, they had him over there. So, uh-huh. yeah, like, and he just sit with his arms crossed and try to cuss you out about ball security. I only know about that because I did ball security. And this is the thing. He robbed himself of good field position. Cause I had I had a return. I hadn't touched the ball in three years and we had a return in a uh in a kicking scrimmage. And I about cribbed it, but I just wanted to run over the kicker so bad because I was just used to hitting people. Yeah. And I ended up getting tackled from behind. But then I had slammed the ball down like, man, I just did something dumb. And then he was like, We had a little fake referee out there. Like, this is how you have to know your players. We got a fake referee out there who's going to throw a flag and call an unsportsmanlike. And he like, I wish I could trust you. Like, come on, man. Like, you (laughs) – I wish you you wasn't an idiot. Like, I wish you were a competitor. I I wish wish you you wanted to win. Yeah, Yeah, I wish you would shut the hell up more importantly. (laughs) Like, yeah, straight up, bro. He, man, he turned that whole program around. Around he the reason, but man, stop coaching. Shit, too stressful. Yeah, man. Like, that man, was... like dog, just score some points. We don't have to deal with all of that. You kicking half of my side of the ball off the team. What what's up with your half, man? Was there like, noticeable? You, you trying to people are catching touchdowns, and you trying to you mad at the coach because they catching touchdowns, and he got him in the game when you trying to get him to transfer. Like what? Who do you want to bring in? Somebody better than him? Because you damn sure not doing that. Like come on, man. Like I think what he what he saw Virginia Tech from the jump was just a stepping stool of somewhere that would take him to where he wanted to go, and like you reap what you sow. Where he wanted to go was definitely not where he is right now. Nah, nah. And I hope his ass don't get another damn job, but I know he will because that's how the, that's how it go. But the same shit gonna happen. Yeah, that's it, unless he's learned, and I hope he's learned. But I'm pretty sure he hasn't. He probably feels some kind of way. Because if he didn't, he would have coached those guys out the rest of the year. Like, had, like had he preached to them about grit. Yeah, you're right. You just got your ass fired. Now, show some grit and be out there and show them what it's like to finish. But, nah, he didn't do that. Yeah, he quit on the team. I think yeah. he's less of a man for that. I don't I don't think he's no man, to be honest with you. Like, I would never let my kids around Fuente. And I think this kind of shows us why he didn't work out at quarterback for Oklahoma because he's not a competitor. He's not a winner. He's a career loser. Yeah. <laughs> on and off the field, that's all that man knows how to do is be a loser. He should just go, yeah, he should just go do the Boy Scouts and or the girl. He's got daughters. He needs the, to go raise his kids. He needs to raise his kids and specifically show them how to look for flaws like he has within himself. Because if you find a man like me, you're just going to end up with him at home without a damn job. <laughs> can't nobody, can't nobody do nothing. You can't, you can't put that into people's kids. In, you can't do that to people's kids. You sit on their couches and you tell them you will have their kids best interest. And I understand how, how recruiting is. You got to say some things sometimes, but then you don't try to personally sabotage. You don't tell a kid that you just recruited who went viral for juking somebody at an NFTC combine. You don't tell him that you'll never play at Virginia Tech. And the person that you put in front of him has one touchdown his whole career. You don't do that. While this guy is snapping at Central Michigan, you don't do that. It just doesn't make sense. None. And that's where that ego comes in. 
So now nah, you're right. He's what was the, what he speaking of recruitment, what was a typical recruitment weekend like for you? The stuff that you can tell, because I know, like some, like you know, you got to get it done. However, man, I know that like I'm not dumb. I've been around college. I went to D1 school. I understand. I didn't play, but like I have friends that played, so I understood what it was like when recruits came to campus. So um, I didn't know if like you could like talk about like what it was like for you getting recruited, like what when you showed up on campus for the weekend and what it was like when they had you hosting recruits. Uh, well, when I came up to Virginia Tech, my first time visiting was February for a junior day, and my dad pretty much ruined my he, – he, he, he saw people's careers as, as his, so he liked to make decisions about other, you know, mostly his kids' careers, you know, not thinking about – the future or that he would experience any of that. He just made those decisions. So he told coach, coach Gray and coach Foster that I was going to commit that day. And I had never said anything like that. So I ended up to try to, you know, not embarrass him and make him look bad. I ended up just going through with it. So I kind of knew from that point that I was going to go to Virginia tech. And then this is even when I started getting all my secs, but I'm glad I made that decision because Bud Foster let me be the best player that I could be at Virginia Tech. So, and I'm, and I'm always thankful to him for that. And, you know, to coach Gray out of that one year that I had with him, I literally learned everything that I needed to for college to be able to play. You know, he's one of the best coaches that I've had in my career playing football. So with recruitment, I didn't need to necessarily be wild. I started recruiting other guys to come to Virginia Tech because I wanted to win. But when they would come up there with me, think about it. I was young. I, I didn't live my 21st year of college in um in Blacksburg. So I couldn't experience legally tots and all of that. <laughs> so when those guys would come up there, they would come to the house. And what? they would chill with us at the house. What parties did y'all go to? Did y'all go to the village? Did y'all go to Pheasants Run? Where was the move? Uh, they would be in all kinds of kind of those places. Wherever there was a good number of people gathering, that's where we would most likely try to be in a hurry. Okay. You know, okay. Make, make sure we're there. You know, sometimes we would be late, but we would be there. You know, that was the goal was to be there. Whatever you do while you're there, you got to make the most of the time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Did but, they have yeah, a curfew? We would, yeah, what the guys really enjoyed was, like, just being around us. And I lie to you not, they would send every recruit to the house. Like, Chuck Cantor at that time, he would, hey, can you do such and such? Yeah, man, just, just send Because at this point, I get to have a normal weekend that I have every other weekend just being myself. That's who I am. Now you're just giving me a per diem to be able to take them out. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, yeah, at the end of the day, it was just the camaraderie. And like I said, all of those guys brag about the 2016 locker room. But we were a tight-knit group on both sides of the ball, and it translated over to us playing and competing together. Did we get in our fights? Yeah. Yeah, we did, as you should. You should want yeah. your guys boiling right. like that because you see they got some edge to it. Yep. They just teach them how to practice. And I think it, it was just it was just the camaraderie we had. We all would have ran through a brick wall for Coach Beamer. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it just came down. You know, three of those last four years he had, they were struggling to make it to a bowl game to be 500. But they definitely made sure they won the games they had to win to make it to that bowl game, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Fuente, Fuente's guys wouldn't do that for him. Because at the end of the day, why would I run through a brick wall to somebody who doesn't even talk to me when, when we walk through the same door? No, you're right. You know what I'm saying? But that's why those guys didn't really perform. Because at the end of the day, you know, he lost his locker room in 2018. Yeah, that's when it went sideways. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, at that point, it was all downhill. Because each piece that you felt like the team – could do without with the pieces that held that team together. And when your pride and, and all of that got a, got op, got over you and got above you, you ended up reaping what you sowed. How did uh, your recruitment weekend compare to – how many visits did you go on? 
I think the coolest one that I had went on was Tennessee because they took us on a yacht. Oh, wow. Yeah, we drove the yacht. But I knew that Bush Jones wasn't going to be at Tennessee long because they sucked. And I was mad that they beat us, too, because they sucked. They shouldn't have beat us, but we had all those turnovers. So. They had a golden horseshoe up their ass for, like, seven weeks that year. Yeah. Yeah. Josh Dobbs. Yeah. All he could do was run. Yeah. <laughs> but think about Tech. Uh, the last few years, those are the only teams we've lost to is the teams with running quarterbacks. Uh, and like I said, I pretty much felt like I owed my dad at the time the respect to not make him look dumb from what he ended up prematurely telling the coaches. So I felt like I had to go there in order to make him not seem, you know, like a, like less of a, like a liar pretty much. And, you know, coach Gray and coach Foster's eyes. So I ended up, I began to love the school and chose to go there. And I'm glad I did because of the career that you know, I could be able to have. Did UNC and NC State were they and Wake were they big big on you as well? Wake and NC State didn't offer me. Mm. Wow! But UNC, I would have went to UNC had they got my brother in, because my brother was transferring from Texas Tech, and if they could have got him into there, I would have definitely went to UNC. Man, that would have changed the whole thing. Yeah, it would have. Yeah, it would have fucked us, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I always wonder, will other teams have put me in that position? Because the thing is, I never played corner unless it was at a combine and the opening. Yeah. Besides that, I never played corner in high school. My freshman year, my sophomore year, I, and my freshman year, I played corner. But my sophomore year, I would play corner first half because we had TJ Logan on the team. I would play corner first half and second half. I would go to safety and he would just stay playing running back. So TJ Logan, how fast is that motherfucker for real? Because oh, uh, he was a he was a cre- man. He was a creative player in high school. That's what I'm saying. Th- that's what I'm saying. Bro, he he said Madden. They got we, him rated like high as hell. We season. played we played uh, we played um, Charlotte Catholic with Elijah Hood my sophomore year. He was the number two running back. No, he was a year behind him. Yeah, he was the number two running back with a st- in the state, and TJ was the number one. So we playing them. We ended up winning 56 to 26. All right. TJ Logan had eight touchdowns, 510 yards, and broke all the uh, high school records for state championship rushing yards. Man, that's legit. Eight touchdowns, 510 yards. And Elijah Hood had 120. And they <laughs> ran a wing tee. Good Lord. That yeah. Is. Yeah, he was he was like that, man. That's cooking. He still is, though. He going to be back in the league soon. You know, they sometimes they just need to see that you can still play. Because yeah. once, you, once you're in the league, you're in the league. Yeah, things cycle back around, you know. Yeah. Do you still uh, keep up with? Tremaine and, and Tim, they're both on the same team now up in Buffalo with Vaughn, so they about to do some damage. Yeah, they definitely are because they need a little bit more. They need some uh, – now, their secondary is pretty straight. They they must need it up front. They need to get to Patrick. They need to get – they understand what they're doing. Yeah. They, need to get, they need to get to Patrick. They need to make sure – and they need to make sure they can get him when he start doing all that crazy scrambling stuff. <laughs> But they they right there. They're going to get over that hump. It ain't going to, man, I hope it ain't like how it was back in the day. And it ain't going to be. Because you need guys like Tim to come up there and Vaughn to come up there and kind of really change the identity even more. You know, because you got some guys who have lost to them two years in a row. Now you got guys who they ain't experienced those losses with you. They expect to go out there and perform. They don't give a damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I got to know, man, you thinking about coming back for the spring game this year? Man, when is it? Uh, April 16th. Man, I'm going to make sure I'm there then. Come hit my tailgate, bro. I'll treat you right. That's a bet. I'm going to hit you up before that. Make sure I'm in there. Yeah, I'll make sure I treat you right. Y'all heard it here first. We're going to have Mook Reynolds at the tailgate. Yeah, <laughs> record it. Record it so we can – I'm going to show him that, like, hey, you told me I could come over here. Six God. Yep. Six God in the house. Up, man. You already know. 
I'm kind of excited for you to like be around the program. I, not just you, but like, you know, all of our like Hokie legends, man, I'm excited to have guys that are actually welcomed back with open arms, you know, it's like guys of- that we all looked up to, like, like it feels good, man. We're kind of getting our guys back, you know? Yeah. It's gonna, it's gonna create that atmosphere that was once there three short years ago. Yeah. That culture, that culture, that culture. And it's, it's a buzzing warm, like, this is home. It used to actually be reality. Like you could tell a person, yeah, this is this is literally home. Like Coach Wiles is pretty much Coach Wiles is pretty much my uncle. Anytime he came to Greensboro, we were definitely going out to eat. If he came to recruit in the Raleigh area, we he was definitely coming through the Greensboro. And this is when I'm in high school, so we can eat and sit down and talk business about the guys we trying to recruit for our program. Like that's that's how it was before I was even at Virginia Tech. Have you talked to him now that he's in NC State? Yeah, I talked to him not too long ago. I talked to Bud not too long ago. Uh, you know, text messaging and all that. I know Bud busy. I know he enjoying himself at that lake. But just it's good <laughs> to be able to still communicate to those guys. You know, Coach Scott hit him up from time to time, see how he doing. Like I said, when I was in Texas, we went out to eat a few times. And it was just it was the same vibes, just understanding, you know, life. It, shit happens, but at the end of the day, it's the people you meet along the way. Absolutely, man. It's all about the journey. Yep. You there. Now, nah, this is exciting, man. I look forward to seeing you at the spring game now, man. It's going to be great. For sure, bro. I'm going to make sure I'm up there. I got to be. Yeah, Chicken Hill lot. We're going to be in the Chicken Hill lot. You got to come back for some games next year. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely going to come back for some games, but I'm not. I'm going to make sure they, they own some, some different vibes. I ain't coming back to see the same stress. Now, I can understand the coaches, you know, expectations and putting them in those positions. But as a coach, you can only do but so much. I need I need those players to actually I need to y'all got to take some pride. Like, look, that era gone, bro, gone. Like we we trying to set that tone now. Like we had the 2016 year. As much as we love Frank Beamer, I was one of the ones most excited. Look, I understand coach is gone now. Justin's our coach. I'm trying to make sure he get his foot in the door. I'm trying to hey, – the era has changed. We had no offense for so long. Now we – I'm expecting us to have offense. We're going to be able to do some things. And we were until Buddy Boy started really showing his menstrual cycles. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad we got that shit cleared up. Yeah, fucks. I'm excited for the new staff, the new regime. Yeah, shout out, yeah, shout out, Coach Pry, and you know all the staff. Though I, I, I hope though they really instill in those guys that change has got to come in urgency and pride about this program and about winning. You have to feel it. It got to run through you at all times. It has to be. It has to hold a spot in your mind every single time you step on that field. Yeah, you got to have that motor. You got to have that drive. That like, that ability not to want to lose. You know. Yep. You, that's contagious too. You get a guy like that, and it's infectious. Runs through the whole team. Yep, yep. That's how you can have a guy make take over a whole game, and the whole tone of a team change in one half. Yeah, you bring that whole energy level up, man. And that's accountability. You, exactly. That's how you can see that happen. You, you literally see that happen. That guy wasn't talking. That guy just went out there and said, "I got to do it." That's the only way it's gonna happen, and then after that, shit happens. But you need it. You need you want a guy that can go out there and do that. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Dan, you got any more questions for Mook, my man? Nah, man. I'm just thankful, bro. I've been you like I said. You'd always been one of my favorite Hokies, and I think probably like. Eight months ago, I was in a group chat. I was like, man, whatever happened to Mook? Uh, dude, Matthew, that's in our group chat, he's from the 336. He said, nah, he's still around. He said, uh, this is Twitter now. And I said, oh, word, let me follow him. So I'm glad that uh, you're around and you're doing well, for real. So thank you for coming on. We really do appreciate it. We try to give our flowers as much yes, as possible because I don't feel like people get them enough. So Salute to you, man. Now, yeah. I definitely appreciate y'all having me on, man. Uh, you was talking about Matthew Perrier. I, I had went to uh, middle school with his older brother. 
Okay. So, yeah, I didn't learn. I didn't find out Matthew was a a Tech fan until I think my second year at Tech. So that was pretty cool. It just shows how small this world is, and you know, Matthew's a great guy, by the way. Some way, know yeah, great dude. Yeah, yeah, great, yeah, great guy. I, hey, man, he was young when I knew him, man. Dude <laughs> grew up. This is just crazy how time goes, man. But yeah. uh, shout oh, out to Matthew. Thank yeah, you. For shout me. out to Matthew, man. Shout out to you, bit little bro. Is Liz Hitley from your area too? Is she from North Carolina? Uh, I think she went to Northern or uh, Northwest. I think. I think it was Northern though. I don't. I think it was one of those. But yeah, she from she from around here. She a baller, bro. Yeah. She be getting it. Yeah. Hey man, I started that whole North Carolina to be in that <laughs> pipeline, man. I don't care what sport. Facts. Now we gotta kick it back up. It's time to roll again. Man, yeah, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to show me they're gonna have to show me things different though. I can't I can't send my boys up there just to transfer and just to suffer for the last two years. Can't send them up there for that, man. Yeah, that's not right. Yeah, I gotta make sure I'm sending. Hey, now I got to trust you. Yeah. Uh, if I'll even tell my, if I leave tell, look, man, like I gotta tell them, y'all really gotta know these coaches, man. Came back around, you know. Yeah. Well, Mook, thank you for coming on the pod, man. We like to do a little thing where we let the guest pick the song on the way out. So the ox cord is yours. I'm a star, four whip and I'm whipping this car. I'm just parking the yard. Cause I was like, and I rip them apart. Yeah.